Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, and in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our two readings this morning come from Isaiah 43 and Luke 3. Isaiah 43, first seven verses of Isaiah 43. So give you a little bit of background on Isaiah. At this point in Isaiah, you're, you're coming towards the end of Isaiah 43. It's a, you're, you're, you're a good ways through the book. But the period of punishment of the Israelites has ended. And God is giving a message of hope that, you, that they, will be, they will be redeemed. The Israelites will be redeemed. They need not fear anymore, for God, its creator and redeemer, has claimed Israel as his own. With the words, I have called you by name, God indicates the intimate and personal relationship to God. God will protect his people through all the dangers they encounter. Israel was created to bring glory to God. Hear these words of Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, I will love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not. For I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Our next reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke. And it's Luke 3, so it's early in the, in the book of uh, the Gospel of Luke. This, Luke has, has, gets, has, develops a voice in his writings. He becomes, he, he starts writing in the historic, historian's mode, okay? So, so he starts throwing out dates and names. So in this case, he's, he's locating the beginning of John's preaching with reference to the calendar and authority structures of the empire the local rulers and the high priesthood. And, and so he mentions like Tiberius was the emperor during John's and Jesus's public activity. So from 14 to 37 um, AD, uh, John, Tiberius is ruling over them. And Pilate was the governor in Judea for most of that time. Which, and then Herod Antipas was the son of Herod the Great also lurking around at that time, who the, the Romans who the Romans had named King of the Jews. So that gives you an idea of the power of what, so are you the King of the Jews? Because you can hear in his voice, because we already have a King of the Jews. So who are you? 
I love that dialogue between those two people. So, as the people were in expectation, says Luke 15, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod, the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him, by John, for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The title of my sermon this day is A New Identity. And the question that I ask this day is, are you the grain or the wheat or are you the chaff? As you might know, uh, chaff was the outer hull of the wheat and therefore it was easy to remove in those days because of the type of wheat they grew. And so all you had to do was agitate the wheat and the, and the the hull or the chaff would fall off and it was light it was thin and it was not quite not quite feathery but it would come off and float and so therefore you would throw it up in the air and agitate it and the and the chaff would fall off of the wheat and therefore you had the, the meat of the of the seed in your um thrasher for a better uh, thresher for a lack of a better word and then the chaff would be on the floor, all over the floor, or blown out into the field. But with that, now we're gonna to go to baptism. So John and Jesus both baptized, okay? But John says, I baptize with water, but he who is coming will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Well, what's up with that? What it is, is that the Jews believed, and they are the only, that, that's where baptism started, is with the Jews. But the Jews believed that you could wash sin away from your skin. And so therefore, they believed that that's the way it is done. That if you baptize somebody, that you 
bathe them in the water. You dip them in the River Jordan. You plunge them into the creek or the stream. And then when they come up, it will have washed them of their sins. Hence the reason why so many people believe that you have to keep get washed over and over again or baptized over and over again. So, but that's the purest sense of that. And Jews had been baptizing for many, 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 many years before Jesus ever came along. And John took that and John did that because that's what John knew. John was a good Jew. And so therefore, when he comes along, he says, I do this, but this falls short of what Jesus will be doing. Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Well, what is that? I just told you that John's baptism is on the outside. Jesus' baptism, and the one baptism he taught his disciples and the one baptism that we carry forward is with the Holy Spirit because it's a baptism of inside of us. It's a baptism within us. And that brings change. You can't change anybody by washing them. You know, they're just cleaner on the outside. But the baptism that Christ brings is one where we are cleansed inside, deep within us. And we use it figuratively that our heart is clean. But that is the only way that we can be changed. We can take on, as the sermon's title, a new identity, is if we we take on that that. Um, we allow ourselves to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. So what, what, what's that connection? Why do, they, why do they bother to say Holy Spirit and fire? Well, fire was fascinating to them because you could modify things. You could purify um, the, the metals. You could purify metals. They were, they were, it was the Bronze Age, so they were very good at, at purifying metals. And so therefore, they saw fire as something that was still mysterious to them, but they knew how to, they knew how to um, manage it or use it for their benefit. And so therefore, you could purify things with fire. So when you see that Holy Spirit and fire, that's why, because water doesn't purify anything, but fire can. And so they saw that as synonymous, Holy Spirit and fire. So therefore, the Holy Spirit was like, how we would, how if it would treat us like fire treats a metal and purifies it, burns off the impurities. Okay, maybe that's a better way to say it. fire burns off the impurities. Holy Spirit removes our impurities. Well, now that's nice. Impurities. It kind of leads me to the next question of what do we need to do before baptism? We can go back to John the Baptist's teachings because what was that one word that he told everybody? Repent. And why was he so offended when the people came down from the hill down to the River Jordan that day and he called them a brood of vipers? By the way, back then that was a very nasty term, but we get away with it. But brood of vipers. And it's because, because who told you to come down here and who told you to just, you know, get in the way and to... And to, to uh, be disruptive or to make a um, charade of what's going on here because this is real and he goes and he knew what was he he had an idea of what was in their intentions it was only to distract or only to challenge or only to to um, as i said make a charade of the baptism that was going on there so now john the baptist 
says this wonderful word, repent. But it carries over into Jesus's baptism by the Holy Spirit. Repent. Repent must come first. Repent must come first. You must be contrite. That's a fancy word for it. It was funny because you know I love to do word studies. And I came across a fascinating word that some of you teachers have probably come across in your, in your learning. But it's the word rue. R-U-E. Rue. So have any of you ever said, I rue the day? There you go. You've heard it before. Well, it's synonymous with repent. And it's synonymous with contrition. But it's also the root. One member of this congregation will enjoy this. It's the root word to Ruth. And so it is that Ruth, the root word is to repent or to be contrite. And so therefore, I, I loved it because it, it, we're reaching back to Middle English now. But uh, I rue the day. Um, uh, and, and, and so, but the thing is, is that it's a reflection upon what has happened. It's a reflection upon the past. And that's the same thing that repent, repenting is. It's, it's a reflection upon the past. It's, and so therefore, remember what I said about metals. And I said the impurities that are in metals. Well, it's the same thing, acknowledgement that we have impurities. We have impurities that need to be removed from us so that we can go forward. So, Jesus will come along and like fire on metal, will remove our impurities by the power of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, I ask the question, are you the chaff or are you the wheat? Are you the chaff or are you the grain? And it's a real easy answer. Do you repent or don't you? Do you repent or don't you? It's that simple. Those who, by the teachings of John and Jesus, those who have repented become the grain or that which is kept. Those who can't repent see no reason to repent. See, that, 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 that they can't understand why they should have to say that they're sorry that's the chaff as far as John and Jesus are concerned. It's an interesting pattern here. Some brilliant people have, have studied this, this passage on the same subject of baptism. And they came up with something, and I just, I, I see it totally different now. They talked about, we, when we read this, and we've read it so many times, remember earlier I said we read these passages so many times that we, just stop, we stop listening, and it's true for me, and it may be true for you. But we have this image that Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to do the winnowing. I mean, he's going to do, yeah, the winnowing. He's going to do the threshing. But guess what? The language, the early language of this passage, when you go to the Greek, you realize John's the one doing the threshing. John is the one that is separating the wheat from the chaff. And if you hear it in his words, I went back and read the other passages on John, and I could see it, that, that John's the one that's making people make a decision. John's the one that's forcing people to repent or not. John's the one that's getting in their face. John's the one that's like going, I've got to prepare the way. And how he prepared the way was he made that 
He, he confronted people to make that decision. Do you repent or do you not? Because what it is, is he prepared the way so that when Jesus comes onto the scene as the Messiah, the threshing has already been done. The chaff is all over the place and the grain has been gathered. All Jesus has to do is pick them up and take them with him. And it's a beautiful way to look at this. But the good news is that, and this is another thing about the language of the early text, it's lost in the English, is that it's an ongoing process. It's not that it happened 2,000 years ago. It's still happening. And that's, I know, most in, in, the English, in the English language, we don't have verbs like that that tell us it's an ongoing process. But when you go back into Greek, they have special words for this. And we know that this is an ongoing process, which means that if you think you're the chaff, you don't, need, you don't have to stay that. There's still time. There's still time for all of us on earth. There's still time to go and say, you know, I realize I've made mistakes. You know, I realize that I don't like what's happened. And, 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 and there's an element of shame. There's you rue the day that dot, dot, dot. And so therefore, you can become the grain or the wheat. You can become that which is retained. If the spirit moves you, if there's still time, there's still time. And that's what I like. Are you the wheat? Are you the chaff? Only you know. Only you know. If you're in, in the people around you, only they know. It's kind of like I'm just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. I have this wonderful story to share with you. Back in Virginia, in this late, latest snowstorm, there was a there was a 50 mile back up on I-95. If any of you have ever been to Virginia and traveled from Northern Virginia to the Eastern Virginia, you had to travel 95. Interstate 95 had a 50 mile back up in this snowstorm. People were stuck on the I-95 for 17 hours. There was, in one spot on I-95, there was a bread truck that was stuck and everybody's around it. And a couple that was sitting behind the bread truck got this crazy idea and called customer service of the bread company who owned that truck and asked them if they would allow the people gathered around the truck, I mean, people in the cars around the truck, if they would allow them to eat the bread. And the customer service person said, let me ask my, let's, let me ask, you know, my company. They took the phone number, time went by, 30 minutes or so. Lo and behold, they got a call back from the owner of the company. The owner of the company said, I've given permission of that driver to open up the truck and feed you with the bread that's on the truck. That's to me, I get emotional just thinking about it because it's like, that's, us. That's what the church should be like. The church should open those doors and let the people partake of what's within it. You notice the owner of the company didn't go, you know, only if they're driving Cadillacs. You know, <laughs> there were no conditions, no conditions at all. I don't think the owner of the company knew exactly what was on the truck, but everything on the truck, from the sweetbreads to the white loaves, 
was for the people around that truck. And they fed the people that morning as far as they could walk. But isn't it a beautiful story that can be used to illustrate our calling? So that's why I say, you know, are you the grain or the chaff? Think about it. I don't know, but think about it. There's still time because the bread is still being served. The bread is still being served. The truck is not empty. The church still has a reason to be here. We are like that bread truck. And we've, we should have our doors wide open, finding out ways to feed those around us. Yeah, yeah, I can look out there. I can look out there and go, hmm, not far from here is the Summit neighborhood. They need food just like the rest of us. And I'm not I'm speaking figuratively. There are people around us that may not even be able to relate to you. Well, they're hungry too. They're hungry too. We just have to figure it out. But with that, we can have a new identity if we want to. Because as I said, the truck's still open, the bread's being served, and the good Lord will not let it run out till we have all been gathered up. Let us pray. Dear Lord, dear Lord, th th thank you for sustaining this story Thank you for, for, for the, the inspiration to, 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 to take it out again and to proclaim it again. And Lord, I thank you for, for how you have continued to feed us. Lord, as we go forward this day, as we go out into the, out into the weather, Lord, may we indeed see those opportunities to take on that new identity or to present that new identity or to lift up our new identity as those valued by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.